Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars related to game design and publishing. This podcast has been made possible thanks to the kind contributions of the panel speakers and Breakout Con 2019. Episode 211, Diversity at the Table. Presented by Daniel Kwan, Agatha Cheng, Amar, Ken S, and James Mendez-Hodes, with moderation by Daniel Kwan. down stuff you're going to say before you say it otherwise you talk forever yeah and i'm the moderator so i will i will i will cut them off to make to allow the others to speak as well um we're gonna wait like another minute let let everyone set up welcome welcome to this is this is actually our first asians represent panel this is actually yeah the first Asian event panel. So this is uh, a little bit, a little bit different than the the other breakout panels. I, I, the intention with this panel was to not just have us talk at you, but have you have uh, engage with a dialogue with us. Um, one of the things that kind of irks me about gaming panels is that you know it's often a lot of people talking at the audience, where you know members of the audience might have. Know, unique perspectives, insight, you know, experiences that they can share with us and help enrich our lives. I mean, that's the whole purpose of Asians Represent, is it's talking to other creators, sharing our knowledge, and then taking those educational opportunities and sharing it with the world. Yeah, that's right. Now, this is a panel on diversity, but you know, this is, this is a, a fairly diverse Asian panel. Okay. But I do want to note that, that is, um, we are not representative of the entire world, but I think the perspective that we're speaking from is one of, uh, of an Asian perspective, since this is an Asians represent panel. But I think that the lessons that are, you know, that are gonna come out of this and from the audience uh, will, uh, will, will be a more inclusive uh, sort of experience. Just wanted to let that out there before. Um, so why don't we start with introductions? Um, why don't we start with the Asians represent crew? Because we're actually, we've sandwiched the yeah. guests. <laughs> we're surrounded. Yeah, we've, we've sandwiched the guests and we actually brought on um, three different guests than what was originally advertised. Uh, so if you came here for Banana Chan and are let down, you may leave now. Um, but I assure you that the guests that we've re- replaced them with are, are as equally qualified to, to speak on this. Uh, I can start, or why don't you start? Oh, okay, all right, I see you. <laughs> Put you on the spot. I get it. You, you are the moderator. Hi everyone. I'm Agatha. I'm the co-host, in addition to Daniel, of Asians Represent, and I, I'm very excited 
to engage and to answer some questions or to listen to some comments. Yeah. Amar? Uh, my name is uh, Amar. Um, I am relatively new to gaming and this field industry. Uh, I've been gaming for about three years, but I decided to sort of jump in with both feet and I played about 21 different games in the last year, uh, like about half of those I GM'd. Damn. So, yeah, that was Lamar has the best GM in the world. <laughs> yeah, if you follow my Twitter, uh, my Anderson, GMs do better. Right? G- yeah. That's right. GM. Yeah, uh, if you follow my Twitter, uh, AdamRJazz.com, uh, not .com, just AdamRJazz. Still new the Twitter thing too. Uh, yeah, I regularly post about my GM is better than your GM, and that's the guy who introduced me to gaming, and it's actually amazing and huge shoes to try to fill. <laughs> It's how we met. Yeah, that's right. Through yeah. Anderson. We, we uh, last year. Facebook has notified me this morning that today is the one-year anniversary of Amar and I meeting each other Aww. and becoming Facebook friends. This is kind of special because on that day, we actually talked about doing a panel on diversity. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'm those not, things I, were only for reminding you about your exes. No, no. <laughs> so, so this is like, we kind of have this like meta thing going on here with Amar and I becoming friends like a year ago and our characters on our actual play becoming friends. Maybe more. Maybe more. And you're more than friends. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm James Mendez Hodes. Most people call me Mendez because you already know too many nerds named James. Uh, I uh, I write, edit, and cultural consults on role playing games uh, and other analog games, but mostly tabletop. Uh, you can find me on the internet at jamesmendezhodes.com, where I complain about race and religion in gaming. And I'm also on Twitter at Lula Vampiro, which is hard to spell, so come get my card after. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Kenna, also known as Kenna S. over on Twitter. I'm mostly known for doing uh, Twitch live streams of tabletop role-playing games and doing a lot of work there in safety tools and diversity uh, across different spectrums. Um, so I, I'm in about uh, six streams a week. Uh, also working behind the scenes and doing a lot of my uh, thesis work on uh, tabletop role-playing games as well. Yeah. Kiana, we didn't even know you were going to be at this con. No, And then yeah. we ran into each other yesterday and we were like, oh my god, we're internet friends. I, yeah, <laughs> I um, decided that I didn't want to be in Waterloo during St. Patrick's Day weekend. And I didn't want to wake up at 7 a.m. with people partying above my head. So I was like, mm, I'll just go to a tabletop con. Why not? Yeah, and then we realized we have like very similar tattoos as well. We both have yeah, we, we both, both have D twenty tattoos <laughs> because that's what it we just, are. It nerds. just kind of happened. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm Daniel Kwan. I'm the other co-host of Asians Represent uh, with with Agatha. Uh, we are currently in the midst of producing our very first actual play. Yeah. Uh, called Masks New Shambhala. It's uh, we're playing Masks a New Generation. Uh, if if you don't know the game, it's a really cool teen superhero drama. But we're setting it in this very interesting uh, pan-Asian metropolis. Uh, so we we actually Amar is a cast member alongside our, our friend Jade, who is also on the Asians represent team. Jade couldn't be here because uh, they're flying to GDC mm-hmm. um, to do some really cool things. Uh, so I do Asians represent. Uh, I'm the producer of the show as well. Uh, I also design games. Um, I I just published a zine last year called Zany Zoo. It is a zany game about animals trying to escape captivity. It's an Puppy. educational game. Pardon? Puppy. Yeah, yeah. I really like spiders. <laughs> Mendes knows that. Um, I am currently working on a World War One RPG called Ross Rifles. It's so uh, good. It's very good. Thank you. It's about the Canadian experience in World War One, but also highlighting the diverse cast of soldiers who participated in the war. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not just white people. 
in the First World War, fighting for Canada. So, yeah, drawing on sort of my academic background to work on that. Uh, but yeah, this is, this is a, a really awesome panel because I don't think we're just talking about physical tables because we have live streaming, uh, we have tabletop, but then we also have online gaming with the gauntlet. Mm -hmm. uh, so I want to cover all, all of those in this. So when we say at the table, we don't just mean at a convention, sitting at home with your friends or family. We also mean playing online with an audience as well, but also playing online with just your friends. Mm -hmm. okay. um, but I want to first start by asking, like, what do we mean by diversity at the table? It's a, it's a complex question. Like, Kenna, what do you think? Oh, oh boy, me first. Um, in terms of diversity at the table, it's um, looking at the um, diverseness that we see in our everyday lives, the types of people, the experiences should be reflected in our gaming and our game environment. Um, that's kind of where I go with that and be able to have that equal, uh, the equity um, as um, a lot of people try to focus on is the important part. Uh, the fact that everyone can be seen at the table, can play at the table and be welcomed into the community. Nice. Who wants to go next? Because I kind of picked on Kiana, sorry. <laughs> Who wants to go next? Mendes? Uh, sure. Um, so diversity is, uh, diversity is a process. Um, and it's not just about getting a list of boxes and checking them off, although that's in there somewhere. Um, it's also asking yourself constantly what perspectives are out there that I haven't considered yet. And they can, that can be in, that applies to every, every realm, not just personal identity, but also different ways to game, different uh, paradigms of storytelling. It can be a lot of things. Omar, what do you think? Uh, I think diversity, it really kind of ends up being sort of self-defined. Um, I mean, yes, there's a lot of things that are sort of obvious and you can go, I want to have a table that's, you know, uh, diverse across gender lines. So I aim to have equity across gender lines for most of the games I organize, and I've been generally lucky uh, and, and grateful that I've been able to do that because it does bring in different perspectives. Uh, but at the same time, there's sort of you know uh, spectrum spectrums of diversity that I'm not even sort of very clear about or aware of, and I do try to reach out to people and have them join the table uh, at whatever games I'm in to kind of provide whatever that looks like for them. So that's obviously uh, the sort of big ones that we already know about: uh, race, class, gender. Uh, ability and so forth, but there's also other kinds as well that uh, the others have touched on as well. Yeah, I do think that's a really good question, like what is diversity at the table, because we generally think about it in two ways, right? The diversity at the table as in, in terms of the players, and the per which can include the person facilitating or running the game. Um, that's one area where you can think about diversity, and then another is in the characters, right, or the setting. That can also be diverse as well, because I think for some of us, depending on where you are uh, geographically, you may not have access to a lot of uh, demographic diversity, right? Like if you, just depending on where you live, if it's not necessarily, for example, like in Toronto, where you just, by living here, you are generally able to find more people who are of more ethnic backgrounds and or more sexual orientations than can be defined in the moment. Then versus if you're, I don't know, for example, I'm from Taiwan, like my hometown in Taiwan is not like that. Everyone is Taiwanese. So um, so I feel like there the, the effort is always twofold, I suppose, um, in terms of like reaching out to get more players, but also in terms of like 
okay, so our, our group isn't necessarily able to be as diverse as I want it to be for whatever reason, right? Or you're just like playing with your friends and your friends are perhaps, like it's not always whatever that ideal like college admission photo that you want to be. <laughs> in that case, then, like real. Yeah, then in that case, what people were saying about like ideological diversity, this is, this is getting really highbrow here. Um, I think that is really important. Then, yeah, definitely like in terms of diversity at the table then is in terms of the setting. And that's very cool to explore together where uh, as people you want to, um, you want to expand your horizons uh, and where you want to expand your game horizons. And sometimes because, just because like, I, for example, I played in the game Urban Shadows and there was someone, and that was like my first time where like, be playing a white person wasn't the default or expectation. And like when you don't talk about it, it kind of is the, that's, that's what you assume. That's what I assume, uh, assumed. Um, and then the first time someone was like, yeah, I play, a, I'm playing a, a Latinx character because that's one of the options. And then I was like, what? Oh, oh, okay. Oh, I didn't know that we could do that. And that, it was weird because I didn't feel like I was very excluded up till that point, but then in that game, I was like, oh, sweet. Now I can play something else as well. Maybe myself, that's cool. So I, I feel like that sometimes, like, well, I guess we're talking about what are you, Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's, uh, I'll leave off at that. Okay, thank you. Um, no, one, I think one of the things that everybody mentioned here was like, there are a couple of strands here. There's like the intersectionality of like, what is diverse, right? Is it, is it in how we look, is it how we think? Like, what, what is diversity? And we, we, the answer, I think, collectively is that it's very complicated. And another thing that comes from that is intention. I think, Amara, you brought that up, and then Agatha, you kind of vibed off of that. And it's, do you, should you strive for diversity at your table and create something that, that tokenizes somebody? Or do we implement strategies like safety tools or a welcoming community like BreakoutCon has that actually encourages people to just come and play games? Right? I think... I hate being included and being like, oh, this is my Asian friend Daniel, and he's going he's gonna to play our game. I'm like, well, that, that's not really nice. <laughs> I don't, I, this, this isn't a diverse table. This is, this is a table where I've become an outsider. So I should stop describing you like that to people. Yeah, this is my <laughs> you could say, this is my friend Daniel. He hosts Asians Represent. And then they could be like, oh, he's Asian, but he hosts a podcast about it. No, don't say that. <laughs> um, but, I mean, one of the things that we see is like, we see this in convention culture a lot. We see this at, you know, I think we mostly see it in conventions and that we have these diversity panels. And Amara and I had this, uh, like a long discussion about this last year where you know, I'm often included on panels at Fan Expo Canada um, initially, you know, because I wasn't a white dude, right? I wasn't a white dude. And the first time I ever sat on a panel at a gaming convention, it was me and two much older, very established, cis, straight, white men in the industry, and I was just this young Asian dude. And I felt like, I didn't feel like I was really contributing a lot because I felt like I was just like a token panelist, <laughs> right? And that's one of the things we want to avoid at the table too, 
right? We want to create an environment, the point I'm trying to make is that we want to create an environment where anybody can feel welcome. And I feel like that's how we achieve diversity at the table, where anybody can feel like they want to play. That is a great point. So how do we make the table more welcome? Exactly. That's what I was trying, that's the best my segue. Oh. It's like we're, it's, <laughs> this it's like is why we're, we're co-hosts, eh? This is, this, is why, this is why I, <laughs> this is why I do the segues in the podcast. No. Um, hey, I just segued for you. It's true. You're it's welcome. true. But yeah, how do we make that? And, and actually, you, you mentioned something that was in the description that you wrote for this panel. And you kind of went into, yeah, oh, you yeah, kind of went, you did write the description. <laughs> um, you kind of dove into like this idea of you not being able to have a diverse table because of where you live. Uh, like when I grew up, like I grew up in the West End around High Park and I didn't actually know any other Asian people outside of my family until like I was a little bit older. Like my mom has a story of me coming home crying from school and like I was like super upset, like you know when you're a kid and just like ragey and angry, that was me. And she asked me what what was wrong, and I said somebody called me Chinese, and I, I didn't know what that was. I was really young at the time, because I had just been Daniel. This is my family, and I didn't consider myself any different, right? And it was like when I when I was labeled, I felt like, you know, I was an outsider, right? And that's one of the things we want to avoid in gaming. We just want to have gamers. Right. So, like, well, what are some tools that we use to, you know, make our convention spaces, our live streams, our online games, our home games more inclusive? We don't have to go in order. Because <laughs> I, I realize that with every question, I might put Keanu on the spot. <laughs> but, but, like, who, who wants to answer that? Because we've kind of gone from diversity as being something really complicated. And if you try to you know, define diversity in very strict forms, you end up excluding people. Yeah. So I think the answer to this is then inclusion. And how do we make our tables more inclusive? Okay, I can, I can start yeah. on the other end uh, first. So I, this is kind of what I touched on earlier, is I think a way to, to make your table more welcoming is to always have the option. And sometimes you have to be explicit about it, which is why I don't think, like for example, you know the the list of like ethnicities in Urban Shadows, and then like later taken on by other Powered by the Apocalypse games like uh, Masks, uh, that you can choose from when when you're looking at your playbooks uh, and you're creating your character. That is actually really good. Um, to have that always there uh, means that there is an automatic assumption that this is the norm that you can choose all of these um, options. And so sometimes if you're playing a game that doesn't have that already in the mechanics, I think um, being able to uh, include that somehow in the character creation process, so maybe this would more fall on the person facilitating or running the game, to be like, hey, these are the list of the backgrounds, choose from one of them. Um, then that's, when that becomes a norm, then any person, and also, I'm obviously coming from a very, like, this is, from an Asian perspective, but also I mean like in terms of like gender, um, gender identity, sexual orientation as well. If you always include these as options, and then people get used to always thinking like, okay, so what is my character's, for example, like like gender presentation, and also what is their, what is their sexual identity? Like every single time you always do that. Then whoever is coming to this game, they're like, oh, I feel seen. First of all, that this is already an option, and then this will automatically make the table feel more welcoming because this is a thing that is already acknowledged and it should be said that you know when you're looking at games where it gives you the option to, to pick your background uh, your ancestry um, I'm really happy actually that Pathfinder second edition is getting rid of race finally ancestry like 
I mean, I have other problems with the game mechanically, but I think that's a really big step forward. Uh, I think we sh it should also be like it should also be on the designer, and then of course on the person running the game to say, you know, there are some options laid out for you, but these are not the only options for your character. I think that's something also very important to add yeah. on. Yeah. Right. It's really nice to have like, oh, I could actually circle Asian for my character, but Asian is really broad, right? There, there needs to be a write your own option. Yeah, like a, yeah. a blank space. Yeah. What, what, what about the rest of you? What do you think? Yeah, and it's it's a it's a hot topic question, and it's and it's a tough one because, you know, there really isn't a right answer. Yeah. Um, go. Oh, go sure. ahead, Mark. Thanks. Uh, yeah, the the conversation that Daniel and I had last year uh, really did focus on how exactly do you do this? Um, Toronto is, uh, or sort of the greater Toronto area in general, is about uh, half white at this point. Uh, I know I'm freaking out any sort of white replacement people who are listening right now uh, with that, but yeah, like... It's white flight time, let's go. <laughs> uh, uh, well, uh, they actually seem to be coming downtown, which is interesting, but anyway. Uh, and uh, sort of the this population uh, projection sort of shows that by the year uh, 2031, about one in four people will be of South Asian descent in the GTA. So if you don't already have that kind of diversity at your table, you will. Uh, and that's something that we sort of well, need you to... you should. Or you should. <laughs> I should also say that. You should. Uh, and I think that, some, that a lot of it comes down to just saying yes and being thoughtful and, and caring about somebody else's experience. So as an example, I got a chance to play Ross Rifles with Daniel. And I came in and said, like, oh, hey, I want to play a South Asian character. And his response wasn't, oh, well, Passchendaele didn't really have a whole lot of South Asian people fighting for Canada. His response was, oh, yeah, South Asians were part of the British colonial empire at the time. And they were, like, fighting in World War I as part of the, the British Expeditionary Force, right? Uh, or in another case, actually, uh, with Agatha, for the actual play that we're doing, um, I mentioned, uh, so we're using these cards for masks, the, the influence cards and the ability cards, and I'm, uh, I have colorblindness, one of the sort of 10% of males that tend to have, uh, that have colorblindness, and I asked last time, hey, can you just not use these cards because I find it hard to distinguish between the two of them? And then you just asked me when we recorded episode one on Thursday, hey, can you just remind me which ones are these? Which was just, you know, just a sweet gesture of caring about somebody else's experience, Aww. remembering that they mentioned something about a this. rose. <laughs> <laughs> there's a uh, there's a, a thread in what people have been saying, which I really appreciate, which is that discussing things explicitly is always a good idea. Um, and I think that in in some in some parts of gaming, uh, we have this instinct to show not tell and to hide the process, um, especially in things like GMing. And I personally find that that uh, that tendency that we have is actually dangerous uh, to diversity and to enjoying your game and to a lot of other things. It's almost always a good idea to bring things up and talk them out, even if it could be a little bit awkward, because the 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 help that you could stand to do is worth the damage to your immersion or to your appearance of GMing genius or whatever. So when you say like bring bring things up, like can you give an example? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, what about what happened on Friday? At that, at that panel? Oh, can you... Uh, <laughs> I can elaborate on yeah. that. Yeah, this is totally okay. I need um, a moment. Yeah, okay, so I have... I have a lot of I have a lot of spoons. I, I can I can take on a lot of emotional labor. It's just one of the things that I can do. Um, and on on Friday, uh, 
you know, half of this panel, we were on another panel talking about, you know, <laughs> designing Asian themes into games. And at the end of the panel, um, we had like some really, really thoughtful questions. Um, and we had one question that kind of, I don't, I, I personally don't say it came from a place of negativity, but came from a place of ignorance. And the person asked, what do you mean by white themes? And <laughs> what is a white game? What is a white game? And is Scrabble a white game? Is that bad? Yeah, Why are white games bad? And what about Jenga? And it, it kind of, it kind of spiraled. And one of the things that kind of happened was all of the panelists, like myself included, were kind of like caught off guard by this because this audience member was like, well, what is the difference between a white game and an Asian game, right? And we, we all kind of, like admittedly, kind of were like, what? Hold me back, hold me back. <laughs> I, I, was, I was definitely like, hold my earrings. Yeah, hold my earrings. But, you know, I, as I think this is one of the things Mendes yeah. was talking about, like as the moderator, I was like, you know what? Like our panel's about to end. Why don't you come talk to me outside? Mm -hmm. Catch me outside. No, I didn't yeah. say that. And, and for um, the record, we did. We did explain. Uh, I guess. I guess I. I said that part. Explain that a white game is a game which focuses on the experiences and perspectives of white and or European people, which was not something that I expected to have to discuss out loud. Yeah. And so I, you know, I took I took this audience member outside, and we talked for like fifteen minutes about like what we were talking about. We were ta I, I spoke to him about you know, our perspectives and why we were even doing this panel in the first place. And you know, that action alone I think is important because it creates a more diverse and inclusive table. Because we could have reacted really negatively and rightfully you know, negatively at, at, this, at this person, but we actually met this person with positivity and realized that you know, their question came from a place of ignorance, not a place of hate. And what I actually heard was that this person actually went around asking about Asians represent and asking about Asian games and trying to learn more. And so we, what, what we as a panel did was we actually took somebody who didn't really know or think about diversity or inclusion at the table and tried to learn more about it, right? So, so, so then I feel like that's what you were talking about, creating a more positive space of learning. And you do that a lot through your writing too. Oh, thank you. Writing yeah. about the good experiences and the bad experiences. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important to discuss these things. It's important to, A, talk about times when you encounter racism, but also really highlight the times when something really positive happens, not just in the Asian community, but in the wider gaming community. Definitely. Right? Yeah, so um, I, I agree with all of these threads that we're bringing up here. Um, and so I come from a place where a lot of this gaming is extremely public. Uh, live streaming, uh, if, none of you, if any of you are not familiar with, is we're sharing uh, the game that we're playing live with the audience that can react and interact with us in real time. Um, and so this ends up having a huge impact as well on the online gaming community because we end up being a very visible example of what ends up happening at the table. Um, so the whole thing with um, live streaming and with trying to create that diverse and accepting community is having those practices built in to those streams so that other people can see those examples. Um, for uh, being explicit about content and stuff, uh, talking about safety tools, using things with lines and veils to uh, to talk about what are we comfortable or not comfortable discussing, talking about expectations of the content and um, 
the structures, like the the process, um, and sometimes um, there's a whole bunch of great discussion about decolonization and within gaming and having to have that discussion, not just uh, you know with your friends or at panels, but also in a very much more public forum. Um, where you end up having to start shaping that community and start shaping uh, the practices. So, you know, maybe one day someone looks at us, at us, is watching a show, but, oh, that's a great idea to use this thing and to discuss this aspect. I'm going to start implementing to my games. Um, so there's this kind of idea that um, live streaming in a very unique way uh, is having to set up those expectations. And that's where a lot of my work comes in, is learning how to, um, how to facilitate those conversations, how to uplift the voices of people who normally are not able to be heard, and making sure that all the perspectives are available for that discussion. Nice. I feel like it's a, it's a lot about being proactive yes. rather than being reactive. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, because you can always try to prevent harm. It's always easier to prevent harm than it is to deal with the damage afterwards. Um, it's always easier to say, okay, here are the, um, here's the ways that we're going to try to prevent anyone from being hurt. Um, and here's uh, through safety tools, uh, through conversations at the outset of the game and throughout the game, um, rather than you know, someone feeling um, so hurt after the game that they're just going to leave or yeah. uh, give up gaming. Um, I was very close to doing that uh, in my first year oh, of, yeah. of playing. Yep. I, I went into my first tabletop game ever which met with racism and misogyny, and I was like, no, maybe this isn't the space for me. And then um, through live streams, being able to see other people of people of color, seeing women, uh, enjoying the game and having fun and having these uh, practices um, that I was like, well, maybe there is, a ch there is a chance for me to continue doing this type of stuff. And so that's, that's the whole other aspect too is the it's the visibility yeah, look at you now streaming six times a week yes yeah so um that's i i think um when we talk about diversity a lot of people talk about the visible uh, diversity and i do think that is an important aspect especially in live streaming or podcasting or any other public uh place for these things because that's somebody saying i see myself there i know that i can sit at that table um i know i have a space here and when um, you have a lot of places that are unfortunately predominantly white or uh, cis or whatever and uh, just because of that's the culture um, when it just ends up perpetuating itself because other people who are outside of that will look at the base and be like I don't see myself there I probably don't belong so it's this kind of yeah. uh, breaking that cycle very purposefully actively um, and yeah, one of the things Agatha and I talk about a lot is that you know, we could always be like, oh, these, these panels need to be more diverse, and why, why are the casts of all these really popular actual plays predominantly white? Why are most gaming podcasts white, hosted by white dudes? Like, we, we can cry about these, we can be really vocal about that on the internet, but one of the things that we can do is we can actually go on and create a space for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I really recommend anyone who's like, oh, I want to, I want to be, I want there to be more diversity in terms of, of my identity, then you should, you should create it. Uh, which is basically, yeah, that was literally why we wanted to do Asians Represented, because we're like, if there's not, if there's not a space, not because people don't want there to be a space, but it just doesn't exist yet. So then someone has to step forward and to just kind of 
stand there for their for that space to start existing and I highly encourage everyone to do that. I love what you said, Kiana, about the, the safety tools. Um, and I really want to uh, touch more on that in terms of a more a practical application in a uh, way at the table. So this is a super good way to be really, uh, like what Mendes said about being explicit about what, what kind of, uh, what kind of tone you want to set. So for example, like there's the lines and veils, which I don't know if people are familiar with, but lines and Is veils. everybody familiar with lines and veils? If Yeah, okay. No? Okay, let's go over that. Yeah, so lines and veils are, it's basically like, it's a, it's a tool for you to say, for everyone at the table to collectively say what they want um, not in the game at all. So that would be lines. So that this I, we don't cross this line. For example, every single game that I, I run or that I'm in, uh, I always say sexual assault is a line. This is, I don't feel like dealing with this in this game. It does not exist in this world. I don't, I don't care. Uh, this is, I don't care if it's not realistic, but because this is not something I want to deal with, we will respect that and not have it there. And then uh, a line, so that's a line. A veil is um, things that you're okay with existing in this world, but you don't ever want to see it, um, you don't want to see it quote unquote on screen. So uh, in a lot of games, you know, there's, if. There's, if there's torture, um, as this is a thing that happens because we're playing like Game of Thrones game, um, you can say I'm okay with being it being here, but I don't want explicit detail. That would go under veils, and I think this is super cool to say. If you're like, okay, I want this to be more diverse. How how do I make this table more diverse? You can do lines and veils, and then under lines you can say ableism is a line. I don't ever want this to exist, and then. That sets an awareness, almost where, because it, the negative part has been canceled, then the positive part is on people's minds. So that is super cool to use the safety tools. Yeah, and, and to be clear, with veils, it's like something that would like fade to black, like a cable TV show, like the sex scenes in Buffy. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, sexual content's a pretty popular line yeah. in veil. Very, kind very of, popular. Line in veil. Don't want to role play that out. Let's just. Off over there. And I mean, one of the things that you could also do is just take a look at what people are doing here at Breakout. Every single table has an X card. Um, X cards are incredibly visible um, at all the tables. And I actually went to, um, I was at Gen Con last year, and not all the rooms had them. And I was like, oh, this is weird. But Magpie Games, they had the room. I was admittedly there working with them. They had room and they actually brought their own X cards that people could take home with them, like little business card sized X cards that people could take with them. I was present at the creation of the very first X card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Many years ago at John Stavropoulos' house. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I think just being able to see those tools, even if you never use them personally, that's fine. Um, I do a lot of safety tool advocacy um, and I get a lot of pushback on, you know, um, but I don't need to use them. I'm like, cool, just have them there anyway. You never know when it's you'll not, need to use them. It doesn't hurt you. It doesn't hurt you. They have them there. And it, when we have them in a public space like a con and seeing those tools available to you, you immediately have uh, an expectation of that game person cares about my safety and I feel more safe being here and in this yeah. space and playing. So again, it, it's one of the, again, it's a, it's a structure and practice thing. You structure it so that it's there, it's available, and it's a practice. You continue to do it and um, actively do so, um, and then 
when it's a structural practice uh, practicing, then it just ends up um, becoming more and more common, which I think is the important part here. Yeah, normalizing it. Yeah, That's exactly. why BreakoCon has been growing, mm-hmm. right? because this is kind of setting the standard. Now, we, are, we don't have too much time, and I want to make sure we open the floor to questions. Oh, okay. Would you like to, would you like okay. to go first? Um, yeah. How do you approach the perspective of intentionally limiting diversity to preempt tokenism and straw man representation? Hmm. Sorry. No, that's, no, a, that's a good one. That's, that's a, a good, good one. one. <laughs> Take a second. Well, the fact that we have to process that means that it's a good question. Yeah. Uh, one quick thing before I think Vendez will give a much better answer than I will. <laughs> uh, which is, uh, like, you will screw up, right? Like, this stuff is rapidly evolving. Each person you meet will have a different experience, set of experiences. And you will have to go mea culpa, like that'll happen. Um, I've had to do that at my tables and apologize for some things that I've brought up. I've noticed that when I've created NPCs that, oh, weird, they're all white for some reason, even though I'm not, uh, but that's, you know, a lot of my sort of social group uh, in Toronto is very white, and a lot of the media I consume tends to depict a lot of white people. And I've had to go back and rewrite those things. So I just wanna, before we get into that a little bit more, just wanted to throw it out there that, yeah, this is tough. It's I mean, it's a, it's a learning process. Yeah. Like, failure is okay as long as you learn from it. But anyways, mm-hmm. Mendes, you were gonna say something? Sure. So. Um, there are a few different definitions of tokenism, but the one that I'm working with here is the idea that uh, a token is someone who is present and visible, but who does not have a voice. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a couple of different approaches to preventing tokenism. The most important one is to diversify the pool from which you are drawing people. Um, and I'm, I'm biting here on the work of Shonda Rhimes and Tony Chapman. Um, the best the best bulwark you have against tokenism is to have a diverse pool from which to recruit so that because you have all of these people out there, you don't have to think and work as hard when you're finally actually putting people um, on a project or on a panel or something like that. Uh, So yeah, so that's the first thing. And then the second thing is, Daniel told a story earlier about how he was on this panel with these two much older white guys and then they dominated the conversation. Very established. Yes. This is where I didn't have a voice. Right. So once so once you have your once you have someone there like it's it's okay for sometimes someone to be the only blank on the panel it's it happens um, and that's you can't really avoid that except by having an incredibly diverse talent pool um, but once the person is there you have to pay attention to making sure they have as much of a voice and that you decentralize the conversation that normally focuses on white European guys. You have to do extra work to make sure that that person gets a chance to speak because otherwise the cultural monolith is just gonna fall on them. Yeah, and something positive did come from that panel. I now sit on that panel every year and I say a lot more every single year. Yeah, so they're, they're iterating. <laughs> yeah, no, and, it, and, it's, and it's good to be present, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and um, and so this is more on the, the panel side, and then on the table side, I really want to just <laughs> put my foot down on the safety tools. I think this is a really good way, again, to set an expectation and to create a space that feels safer for people to explore these themes. For example, if you have the X card there, and you have these uh, you have these lines already present, then you can say, okay, so we are we are, and communication is super important. I so. If everyone at the table is like, yes, we want to, we want to try to be more diverse uh, in our character, so there, there needs to be a consensus. And then it's like we have these tools so that if 
someone, sometimes people are like, oh, I'm really scared of not being able to present uh, whatever group that I'm not a part of properly. I don't want to end up being offensive in some way, which is totally fair. Uh, then having a safety tool there, for example, an X card. So if if you're doing something that that is a little offensive or very offensive or whatever, and having the knowing that other people can help you be less so by X carding that and helping you change it, I think that is actually very valuable. So then to be like, yes, this is all this is what we all want to do, and then also so I have a space for me to try to do this, and I have a, a way out of being labeled forever as a terrible person because I made a mistake once, that's very helpful. Which is why I said the tools matter. Yeah, and I mean, the community does have its flaws and it can be very reactionary on social media. It can be, and all communities are like that. But I think, I think one of the things that I think we've said so far is that um, in order to avoid tokenism, the, the best thing you can do if you're running a game is managing Spotlight well. And that's just, a, that's just a skill on running games in general. Like if you know how to manage Spotlight, if you say, okay, well this person, they're not saying much. Doesn't mean they, they aren't in the game. Like people show their attention differently. I spoke about that on the panel earlier today. People react differently to games. People react differently to narrative, right? But giving them the time to actually speak and contribute is important. So that's a skill that's on the GM's part, but also on the players to be like, I've said enough. I need to sit back and listen to what they have to say. And that makes everyone equal at the table. Right? It gives everyone an opportunity to contribute to the narrative in-game, but also be present in their own way. Right? And it doesn't have to be speaking. It could be writing something down and passing it to the GM. Right? But they're doing something. Right? But it's giving them opportunity. Yeah. Do you have more questions? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. We oh. could, we could, we, I think there were a couple more questions. So I want to... Yeah. Did that answer your question? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Let, let's... Yeah. Um... I'm looking for tools that I can use to create a diverse cast of NPCs that will represent lots of different people who aren't like me in a way that won't wind up claiming their experiences or their struggles as my own. I'm speaking for them. That's kind of exactly what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, so we can get yeah. two questions, one step. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. so, so it was just to clarify, so it was how do you create a more diverse cast? Uh, create a more diverse cast of characters that will represent people who are not like me in games mm -hmm. without sort of claiming their experiences and appropriating their experiences when I have not lived that life and I can't right. really... Um, sort of like how do you avoid like sort of exoticizing yeah. and you know just sort of... I, mean, I, I know not to do the Apu accent. Yes. Okay, well one of, um, one of the things that I like to do is um, I like to involve players in, G in NPC creation, right? Um, one of the things that we've been doing on our actual play is we've been introducing the NPCs and Agatha has been using them as characters so that, you know, Amar can introduce NPCs and, and the onus is on Agatha, because Amar, your character is South Asian in mm -hmm. the actual play, to create a South Asian character without that background knowledge, right? So it's involving the players again. It's again, putting that spotlight on the players, but in the world building. Right. Yeah, for that, that's definitely a, a really great technique. Um, I, I'm trying to remember the name of it. There, if you're just looking for needing to break away from the general, like you're, if you have like a tendency to do a lot of uh, white characters, a lot of male characters, there's a really great NPC generator that goes through almost anything you could think of. 
I'm trying to remember the name of it. Um, I'll probably look it up on my phone after this panel and I'll, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Um, but that's, that's one way of just, you know, making sure to think about all the different aspects actively. And in terms of trying to prevent uh, exotifying or uh, making sure you're not uh, portraying uh, problematic stereotypes, just being able to have that diversity in um, what perspectives of gaming you're receiving in your, in your life. Um, if you're on stuff like Twitter, actively following and listening to people from those different diverse groups really, really helps because then you're getting that perspective and you're getting that diversity within your life and be able to see where um, problems that you may, or issues that you may never think of um, are issues for them and they end up talking about and, and you can kind of bring that into your uh, social consciousness. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes for you. The more you are able to open up your mind and be empathetic listeners and empathetic uh, players, um, the better you are at trying to create that diversity of experiences without focusing on that's where they are, they're just a diverse NPC. Um, yeah, whoops, sorry. Uh, being able to, uh, to incorporate their experiences um, into a fully fleshed character. I, I was I trying to find them. I, do have book. I was trying to find it. Okay, find yeah, it. I do have like just a GM tip. So in terms of like, yes, I want to, I want to have this, these characters from these specific backgrounds and I don't know anything about them. One thing that I, I feel like we talked about this on one of our episodes before, but it's if you take uh, one specific uh, cultural value uh, that is that sometimes that you know do do some research. I think research is very important. Uh, from from that, okay, stay with me here. Um, one cultural value, just one thing, because you know NPCs, you have a lot of them, and you know they they sometimes die and stuff. So you need to keep creating <laughs> them. Uh, one value, and then think about how that relates to how how you can relate to that personally. So for example, uh, if I'm like, oh, uh, one specific, or one thing that this group really cares about, I think that's actually a way better way of phrasing it. Uh, forget what I said before. One thing that they really care about, and think about how does that make sense for me? And then when you present that, first of all, you already are seeing that character more as a person because you identify with them. And then in that way, if you can relate with them, usually the players can as well. That was episode three, Learning Through Play, part two with Derek Chung. Yes. <laughs> uh, Derek is actually selling his game Emberwind just out there. Go check it out. He's wearing an apron. <laughs> He's wearing an apron with a few guys around it. Do we have any questions? Oh, yes. I, uh, can I just yeah, tell you yeah, something? Yeah, go for it. Um, I just wrote you an email, which is a link to a 6,000-word essay that I wrote on exactly that topic. So just come up after and punch your email in, and I'll send it to you. Any other questions? Yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned a couple games already are in Shadows that yeah. are already used versus part of the mechanical set of the game. Just wondering if you have other good exemplars of games that have, that, that include this. It's like, it's like you read my mind. I was going to end with that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to answer it now, or do you want to wait? No, we, we, let's go down the line. Agatha mentioned Urban Shadows. Do you want to mention another game? Uh, yeah, and also masks again. That that the teenage superhero power by the apocalypse game. Uh, yes, yeah, you stole mine. Uh, masks <laughs> was the first game that I came across that actually had South Asian listed there, uh, and also as separate from sort of Asian, which usually tends to refer, uh, refer to East Asians. And uh, I was going to play a South Asian character anyway, but it was really nice to kind of have the sort of spectrum of uh, possibilities there. 
there's a, a slightly older game now, which kind of was the one that opened my mind to this kind of gaming. It's called Steal Away Jordan. Uh, it was written by Julia Ellingbo, and it's about the experiences of uh, slaves during American chattel slavery. Um, and it, a fun it, time, it sounds like. Yeah, <laughs> it is a really fun game. Okay. Um, and it was written by a first-time game designer uh, who wanted to write something about black American experience, which was her experience, and she started with this, which I, I describe it sometimes as the scariest game in the world. It's really fun, and it's a really good example of how you can take a topic which is like fundamentally horrific and use it to highlight the humanity and to validate the experiences of real people. So, mm. Steal Away Jordan. Yeah. Um, I think a big one for me would be uh, DC Dungeon Commanders um, Mutants in the Dark. Um, I'm pretty sure that's the title. But I Mutants always, in the Night. Ma- yeah. Night, God damn it. I was so close. Mutants in the Night. Um, super, super awesome game uh, that looks at um, oppressive uh, systems in a very, very interesting uh, mechanical way. Um, it's, uh, I, I super recommend that one and all the other ones that people have mentioned before. Um, a lot of the indie game space is starting to shift towards doing that, which is great. Um, and I think just keeping on top of those people who are creating games and uh, who are of different experiences is a really great way of, of looking at that. There's tons of game designers out there. Um, oh my gosh. I have wait, wait, should we talk about our games? Mendes, should we talk about your games? We, we, can, we can end with that when we talk about yeah. what we do. Like, oh, where can people okay. find you on the internet? <laughs> okay. We'll do that at the end. Sorry, I'm too Because uh, I, th- I think right now it's, it's about, it should be about highlighting other people's games. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. This, this isn't us plugging you our shit. It's about, it's about showing other people, yeah. like showing other people's work. You're right. Yeah. Think, it's okay, don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> I, get, like, uh, I, I have a couple, and they kind of go across mediums. Um, the the first one for me is uh, I like it's worldwide wrestling. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Worldwide wrestling good. only. I think of that because I like watching wrestling. I, I'm still trying to like get a group together to play it. Tomorrow I know we will play worldwide wrestling. Yo, I'll run for I you have, anytime. Well, I have a character. <laughs> He's called the Diamond Dumpling. He's <laughs> come from the east to the west in search of like glory and a new belt. Um, <laughs> but like, there's a huge professional wrestling scene in Japan as well as here, and I. There's a lot of overlap there. Um, another another game that I really like that kind of tackles this is Misspent Youth mm-hmm. by Robert Bull. It's kind of about rebellion. Um, one person I'd like to highlight who isn't in tabletop, um, but I think would give you a lot of value, is um, someone named uh, Osama Dorius. Um, Osama Dorius, you'll find him on my Twitter. I talk to him a lot. Uh, Osama is a senior designer at Warner Brothers Games in Montreal. Uh, and he speaks about um, fair and positive portrayals of Muslims in video games. He's worked on AAA titles like For Honor. Uh, he's worked on a whole bunch of things that we can't talk about. Um, but he, he, he goes around the world and speaks about portraying Muslims fairly in video games where they're not just the terrorists. Um, and the lessons contained within his talks, which you could find all over the internet, are incredibly valuable to tabletop. And I've already spoken to him about being on Asians Represent uh, because portrayals of Islam have been problematic in tabletop. Um, so we're gonna, we're gonna deal with that. Um, my last one that I think kind of has a really good diverse cast and kind of promotes that is a video game called Overwatch. Um, I, I have played literally hundreds of hours of it. Um, and it is diverse, it's, it's got 
it's got a cast of heroes from all over the world, different body types, um, different, uh, not everyone is even neurotypical. Uh, it is a fantastic game with an incredible cast and a backstory you really want to read into and learn about. It's got one, it's one of the first games, like AAA games, it's played by everyone around the world with a main character that is uh, on the autism spectrum, um, who's also South Asian. It's, and she is like incredible. And it's such a cool game for that, and I wish it was an RPG. <laughs> um, but we're, we're running out of time. We've got five minutes left, and I think... No, we don't have five minutes. Okay, we're running out of time. So we end every podcast with, where can people find you on the internet? Oh. And what are you working on? Yeah. Um, so, again, I'm Kiana. You can find me over on Twitter at Kiana S. Um, that way I forget what I'm doing, because I'm over the internet playing role-playing games almost every day of the week, quite literally at this point. Uh, but uh, my main work is uh, I'm doing an undergrad thesis on uh, the impacts of audience members in tabletop role-playing uh, life game uh, in the collaborative narrative process. Uh, I am also the creator of the Safety Tools Quick Reference Guide, uh, which is meant to help uh, spread uh, safety tools to all sorts of people and understand them in a very easy way. Um, and again, I do uh, diversity and inclusivity stuff uh, within uh, streaming, uh, especially um, for charity streams and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, so Twitter, Lula Vampiro, and uh, on the internet at jamesmendezhodes.com. Amar? Uh, I'm at Amar Ijaz uh, on uh, Twitter. Probably the easiest way to find me there, though, is probably going to the Asians Represent uh, uh, Twitter page, AZNS Represent. Uh, and give them a follow too. Yeah, um, I don't have Twitter uh, and I don't have Instagram. You can reach me through emailing at AZNS represent at whitechatpodcast.com. And I'm also working on a game. It's called Hearts of Moulin. It's about a Wuxia melodrama where you play like freaking Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, but like all of that emotional conflict, that's going to be coming on Kickstarter in May. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, uh, at Daniel H. Kwan. You can learn about my consulting design work at DanielHKwan.com. Uh, I'm working on a game called Ross Rifles. It's a violent, dramatic World War I game um, about a very diverse cast. I've released uh, another game called Zany Zoo about animals in captivity. And I am currently working on a couple other secret games that I think are going to be really neat. Um, I put my business cards up here if you want to learn more about me and my work in gaming therapy. Um, but yeah, I'm Daniel, uh, Kiana, Mendez, Amar, and Agatha, and this has been an Asians Represent panel. Thank you so much. Thank you. And we'll be outside if you have questions. I'll be here, because I'm on the next panel. So, <laughs> if you want me to email you that article, thanks. If you want me to email you that article, come give me your email, please. I'm sorry. I'm like not waiting to see. Yeah. Right. So we just need it. Right. Oh yeah, we're gonna sign these. We gotta sign these.